0: Everybody, and welcome to the Dip and Row Show. I'm Nathan Riojas here with my friend Tyler Dippery. Hey, hey, we appreciate you hanging out with us while we talk Big 12 sports. It's another big Monday in the Big 12. The number three Kansas Jayhawks are in Stillwater right now. Uh, we're watching that game tonight. Kansas is up though, by 18 points. Yeah, right now, so we probably won't be, be interrupting. 20. Yeah, we won't be interrupting the podcast like we did last week. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, you just never know what's
1: gonna happen. I mean, someone might get hit and punched in right in the face. That is true. Maybe I thought <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, we'll keep. We will keep the TV on. Kansas and, is
1: always about making it interesting.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe say something if a brawl breaks out. Uh, but you know, last week we were watching Oklahoma and Baylor. That game went down to the wire, so that's what I'm referring to. If you missed last week's episode, we were trying to record the podcast, but then also watching Baylor and. Uh, Oklahoma go down to the wire. So, anyways, uh, like I said, probably not going to be giving you uh, updates, score updates through the podcast. Yeah, tonight, probably but, not. But yeah, somebody punches somebody. We'll we, let you know. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, well chime someone in on that. someone That's grabs it. a
1: chair. Uh, we'll let you know. Yeah,
0: we are we are going to talk Big Twelve SEC challenge uh, after this past weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about last minute officiating. Yeah, and maybe. Uh, or just share our thoughts, I guess, on that. Uh, and, you know, we recorded on Monday last week, like we normally do. And then Tuesday is when Kansas and Kansas State have their little dust-up in Manhattan. Or no, that was in, that was in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have not gotten the opportunity to talk about that. So we'll take a few minutes to, to talk about that. Uh, and I personally feel like we have to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Because it's one of my favorite days of the year. Always has been. Super Sunday. I get excited regardless, really. So I feel like I'm going to make Tyler talk about that a little bit here at the end. Sure, no problem. But
1: before we do all that, I mean, we have to talk about the thing that the whole sports world is talking about. I mean, probably not even just the sports world. The whole world is talking about right now. It's in the news. you got to talk about Kobe, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think you're right. And, there's man, there's been so much stuff that's said uh it's gonna be hard for us to say a whole lot that hasn't been said already i I feel like i'm a i'm a little bit surprised at the reaction across the country um it just it didn't affect me i guess like it did a lot of other people and i i don't i don't want to be disrespectful in any way uh and it is um incredibly sad and incredibly tragic and the more you think about it too when you think about all of the families involved and kids being involved and passing way too early. I mean, you're talking about, you know, adults passing way before their time, but then much less all of those kids. I mean, it's right. a very sad story. Yeah. The more you get into it and the more 13 think year about, olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more you think about, you know, the fam- the family members that uh, are left behind, you know, what they must be feeling and what those guys must've been thinking during that time. And it just, yeah, the more you think about it, it is, it is incredibly sad, incredibly tragic. Um, I, I just think personally, you know, we're surrounded by tragedy all the time, unfortunately, which is kind of how it is car accidents, health problems, whatever it might be. We all know um, people close to us, people, you know, in our community, maybe that we're not even close to. I mean, you watch the news or see the news at all, you see bad things happening everywhere. And it, obviously, those things are more painful, more impactful if it's close to you. Um, so I'm not I'm not surprised by the reaction of people close to Kobe Bryant, people that knew him, uh, and even people in the sports world. You know, in current NBA players and former teammates and all that stuff. Uh, but I I am surprised by how much it's really affected fans who have never met him. You know, that just kind of like you and I saw him playing on TV, watched him from afar. Uh, so I just think I you know my reaction was really just about the same as it is to any other heartbreaking news that you see in the news every day. I mean, it's sad, but I just, I was surprised at just how much kind of everyday people, everyday fans who didn't know Kobe Bryant have been affected and saddened by this whole thing.
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely been something where it's not just the sports world. It is the world in general. I mean, you're, you're seeing this be national news and I mean, just to be up front, I mean, he was my dude. Co- anybody that knows me, Kobe was my guy. He was yeah. one of the main reasons that I love basketball the way that I do. I'm a Lakers fan. I've been a Lakers fan since 96, and that, that was his rookie year. So for me, I, I, I think the thing that I've always respected about Kobe was just his drive. I, he was unwilling to coast. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys, right? There's a lot of talented guys that go into the NBA, and there's a lot of talented guys that don't live up to the promise, right? Kobe's not yeah. one of those. He is one of the guys that I would say he maximized every ounce of talent he had, and maybe even more. I mean, the dude just, he he didn't coast. And so I can respect that. To me, that was the thing that spoke to me with kobe is he he just never allowed himself just to coast on talent alone and so for for a guy that especially growing up playing basketball realizing pretty early on look i don't have kobe bryant's talent right i i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> really? like relate to yeah. a guy that's just going crazy and jumping out uh, out of the gym i couldn't relate to that but what i could relate to was hard work i could relate to being a guy that Hey look, if I'm going to be on the court, I'm going to have to outwork people for this. And so, to me, that was a thing that I always connected with Kobe is that he felt like a like a superstar that wasn't otherworldly. He felt like he was a mortal kind of like us, and he just worked himself uh and, and maximized into what he could. And and let's be honest here. Because I I do think when something like this happens, you have a a, a tendency to Paint with a pretty broad brush. Kobe was a polarizing figure. It, I, I, like I said, yeah, I've been a Kobe, on. I've been a Kobe figure f- or fan forever. But he's the same guy that him and Shaq they should have had a ten year dynasty. I mean, they should have just won six, seven straight. But their egos couldn't get along, and they broke up. Like I mean, so th- there was some things Kobe was not perfect, and I think that's one of the things that for that maybe even draws me to him even more than anything because I was amazed by... Because for me, there's two different Kobe's. There's number eight Kobe who just was unbelievably talented. Uh, Honestly, the closest thing to Michael Jordan, there's like a comparison video on YouTube that is just just almost the same player. Um, So that's to me, that's number eight Kobe. He was a, a great talent, really athletic, pretty dominant. I... Was amazed by number eight Kobe, but I loved number 24. Number 24 to me is whenever I think Kobe figured out leadership. He figured out how to hold himself and others to a super high standard and then allow people to live up to it. I just I to I I love 24 Kobe because it shows that you can grow in life. You can grow as a leader, you can grow as a man. Uh, just like J. Cole said, you know, you got to give a boy a chance to grow some, bro. you got
0: to give him a chance. <laughs> well, so uh, I, I love I, Kobe in 24 in particular. I don't know about the J. Cole thing, but. Do you even I, know who J. Cole is? No, I don't. That's oh totally my, over my head. Oh, my god! I mean, I wasn't going to admit that. I was just going to say, I don't know about all that, uh, but. 1985. But, go listen to it. It's a good one. It's okay, quality. Okay. I probably won't, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll, you know, whatever. For now, I'll say, yeah, sure. I'll go check that out. But what I was going to say, I think that is a good point because they really were, I think, two different people. Like you said, are two different players almost. Mm-hmm. But he was 18 years old when he comes into the league. You know? 17, actually. He signed for, his first contract yeah. as a 17-year-old. He E-way. couldn't even
1: sign it. His parents signed it for him. That's fresh nuts. Yeah,
0: fresh <laughs> out of high school. And, yeah, I mean, you would expect somebody to grow up, uh, you know, from – the time that he's 41 to the time that he was 18 when he first came in. And it's just uh, kind of the nature of the beast, I guess, that everybody did get to see him grow up right. as a superstar athlete in LA, uh, playing for the Lakers. You know, it's mm-hmm. like all that added up to him having this huge um, career, like right out of the gates. I mean, he was instantly a superstar and, and because he lived up to it. Like, I think that's another point. Yes. He's, he's one of those guys because he was one of the first or he was among the first group of guys to come from straight from high school and go to the NBA right. but i don't know if anybody handled it as well as he did and you know there are some guys like kevin garnett that he had a great career but he was he wasn't kobe and he didn't start in LA like he didn't play right. he didn't start his career in boston he's in minnesota yeah he was in minnesota he's a smaller market and you know so, yeah, I have a ton of respect for his game. I was never, uh, I was pretty, I mean, pretty indifferent about Kobe. Like, I wasn't a huge fan, but I also wasn't a Kobe hater. I mean, he wasn't one of the guys, um, I don't know, the Lakers and the Yankees are kind of just those teams where it's like you, you root for them. Or the Patriots, you, you, you just want somebody else to win, or you get tired of seeing them win or whatever. But I don't know, That's really about it. I never had a strong opinion or strong feeling about Kobe either way, but he is one of those guys that you respect, and you respect him based on uh yeah, the the way that he handled himself as he did get older and he grew up. I mean he figured it out. I just anybody yeah. if I mean anybody- he became
1: a huge advocate, not just on the court but off the court. I mean for women's for women's sports he was a huge advocate. The dude won a Academy Award as for a film. I mean there's just so much that I, that you can respect the way that he um He lived it, and especially being a a father of a a young girl, like I love the way that he uh, parented his daughters, and you know to me that's something to aspire to, and just to say, "Hey, look, we're gonna push our daughters to be great." I love that. I just absolutely love that. So, to me, Kobe was a big it. It. it, I guess I didn't know Kobe. It's not something where, you know, it's not the same pain that you would see for family members or people that knew him, but. I grew up with Kobe and there are parts of me that have been impacted by his mentality. And so I I just really appreciate him really appreciate what he gave us. Um, and really sad about the news.
0: So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's transition if we can to talk about the big 12 sec challenge and what we saw from the big 12 as a conference, some of the good and the bad, maybe over the weekend,
1: yeah, overall, the conference was 5-5, five and five, so you had 5 wins, 5 losses. It's not a great look for the conference because I don't think the SEC is that good, but also I think the Big 12 is a down year. It's interesting that Big 12 is a down year in football and basketball in the same year. Having said that, you also still have the number one team and the number three team in the nation, but I think that shows you where the Big 12 basketball has been over the past few years, just top to bottom. There's yeah. been no bottom.
0: Well, it stinks because we've been one of the stronger conferences right. in college basketball for I think the strongest for a while. And yes, yeah. To see to see us down, and you know, just like in football season, to see Baylor up at the top. <laughs> it's weird because they're turning. I mean, they're they're a legitimate number one team now. They're number one in both polls, yep. not just the AP poll. They're also one in the coaches poll now. I think their win may have been the most impressive, obviously they, they play a good Florida team. It's not some of the Florida teams that you've seen in the past, but a good Florida team. And they went on the road. They were on the road. That's the thing. And they take care of business. Uh, just a nice strength of schedule win. I think for the big 12 moving forward,
1: another good thing. And I, I know some people will argue with this, but I think the Texas tech Kentucky game was a good thing for the big 12 conference. There really was no loser in that game. It was a great game, and it's just a shame that someone had to lose. I, it didn't co- it wasn't like one team played worse than the other. It just, honestly, it went to overtime. It was a great yeah. atmosphere. I don't know that I've ever seen, and no, I'll take that back. I have never seen United Supermarkets Arena like that on Saturday. I mean, it was special. It was awesome. Texas Tech just wasn't quite big enough inside and missed a few opportunities late, but I still think that's a win Whenever you have a Kentucky going to a place like Texas Tech and Texas Tech really producing and showing up um, and making it very very competitive and very well could have won that game.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't come out of that game looking bad by any means. Uh, I think uh, Kansas, they while their win over Tennessee wasn't incredibly impressive or anything like that, they did what they were supposed to do. West Virginia. Blows out uh, a bad blows Missouri team. Blows out, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. You win a game by 24, 25 points. Yep. Uh, so the Jayhawks and the Mountaineers take care of business. I think the disappointing efforts were were from TCU, from Texas, from Texas. Iowa State. Texas, all yeah, yeah. Come no on, Texas. So, I, I mean, you gotta teams, win that game. All of those teams missed big opportunities. I mean, Tech missed an opportunity, but again, you don't you don't come out of it looking bad. Where I think. TCU Texas Iowa State yeah I mean you come out of that game looking bad because and those are ones that they're gonna want back it, it maybe means a little bit more I don't think Tech needs that game right. to you know make their resume to get into the tournament or blah, blah it would have helped you know it might have gotten you a better seed or something mm-hmm. but it, it's not a it's not a deal breaker it's not a they season. still
1: they still have a lot of ability to make that up yeah
0: but I can't believe you
1: you left one out of the good. Okay, you left the Oklahoma State Cowboys because anytime you beat the Aggies, <laughs> the Texas A and M Aggies, it's a job well done. So I, to
0: me, I think you left. That them is off. true. I mean, that's my bad. I don't. I don't know if you would say that's an impressive win, but I think what you're saying nope. is good because they did beat the Aggies. Exactly. They, they didn't get it done in their bowl game, but, but we
1: give them a pass for that because they didn't have like anybody for that game. Yeah. At least I do. I don't but feel like that was have. a real win for for the Aggies, so yeah, uh, I don't know, but that that does make me think of something, okay, speaking of this Big 12 SEC challenge, at the end of the Texas Tech game, I was really surprised by a call at the end, it was in the overtime, you had a foul on a defensive rebound, so you had Kentucky grab the rebound, Tech player and him both go for it, no one really has great possession, and they call a loose ball foul 90 feet away from the basket with 10 seconds left that allows Kentucky to go to, to the line uh, to to win the game, essentially. Now, Tech is going to get another chance to shoot it, so I'm not blaming all this on the officials, but it made me think, what are your thoughts on officiating in the final two minutes? Should it remain? Because I know some people they say, "Hey, a foul's a foul's a foul," and if it's a foul in the first minute, it's the foul in the last minute. I get that, but uh, so what's your thought on officiating the final two minutes? Should it remain the same, or should it change some?
0: That's, no, I mean to me, it's got to be the same. You can't you can't say on paper, "Oh well, no, it's different." No, I mean, then it doesn't work, I and mean, then you get yourself you create a whole lot of bad situations if you start officiating different parts of the game in a different way. You can't do that. You got to be consistent on paper. But, I mean, I will say, uh, wait, somebody
1: wait what do you
0: what do you mean, but Somebody, well, <laughs> just and and I'm not gonna act like a... I don't know, like I haven't I haven't officiated big time college basketball. I mean, officiating games in junior high and high school is not the same. um, you have way but, more, experience but I have than a little me. I have a little bit of officiating experience, and I'll just say that you do find yourself i mean, you find yourself hesitating to make calls at the end of a close game. And I don't know why, I don't know what it is uh, because it's not an unwritten rule. Like you, I think that's a sports cliche where the unwritten rules of baseball, the unwritten rule of, you know, like I, I don't even think it's that it's not, it's not something that's ever spoken. It's definitely not taught that. Oh, well, you know, you don't call that you swallow your whistle in the last two minutes, but it's this idea that ideas come from somewhere because you've heard people say that. Right. And people talk about it all the time. I think, It almost it comes from a place I think, because you do hear people when they're training you as an official say, uh, "You don't want to be a story. This is you know, we are successful as officials if people leave that game and they don't know who you were or they don't remember a call that you made. You know, if if you weren't there, if you didn't exist, then you did your job and you did it really well. Like that's a good game for officials. You know, it's it's good if no one remembers you." Those things are said. Those things are taught. So I think something about that kind of sneaks into your subconscious and makes you hesitate and kind of second-guess yourself in those situations late in games. Because when, um, you know, when there's a timeout on the floor and both teams are huddled up on their sideline, I mean, that's some of the stuff you think about as an official. I mean, you're thinking – what the clock situation is, what the score situation is, some of that stuff it just creeps into your mind and I don't know if it's human nature or what it is, but you just you don't want to be part of the story, so you almost start overthinking it and make some calls that you know maybe you would or wouldn't make in other situations.
1: I'm probably a little stronger than you are on this. I mean, surprise surprise, but I just definitely think in a late game situation you want the players to determine the outcome, not officials. So my my thoughts are it has to be an egregious foul to call it. I want you to let it go. Let it play. You don't want the outcome to be from a bad call. Yeah, You want it to be the players that, you know what, if someone gets pushed out of bounds, call a foul. If someone gets smashed in the head, call a foul. No problem. But... It needs to be clear and obvious to everyone, and I, I think that's where, specifically well, in this game, I had a problem with it being 90 feet away yeah. from the basket, okay. and there was no advantage gained there, yeah. and you got to swallow your whistle. That that ended up, and it's not well, saying Tech ha- still had an opportunity to score. There were 10 seconds, okay? So this is not sour grapes and saying, because Tech could have still tied it up, but... To me, I want to see Kentucky go down and win that game
0: or Tech go down and win a game. I don't want to see it on a free throw. I'll say this. I'll say this. I can agree with a lot of what you said because I think in some ways you're, you're almost talking about two different situations. I think the official that made that call is probably looking at it today or looked at it the next day. or almost. Uh, sometimes you make a call, especially in basketball, because basketball is so fast. And if you hesitate at all, about making a foul call, a lot of times the ball's already gone the other way or something's already happened, a shot's been taken now or whatever. And you, I mean, if you don't call that foul immediately, either look awful because you called it late or you know they're already halfway back down the court. I mean, it, it moves so fast, you make calls that you regret almost immediately sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So I would not be surprised at all if he regrets making that call. And But, and, but then at that point, you blow your whistle, like it's over. You know, you blew your whistle, you got to sell it. Uh, and that's just, that's part of the game, unfortunately, but I think we might, we're almost talking about two different things here because your question to me was, should you officiate things in the final two minutes the same way that you do for the rest of the game? Yes, I do think so. Like, I don't think so. Well, hold on, hold on. If you're driving to the basket and there's contact, you know, because there are, there are. There's contact when there's no foul called, and then sometimes there's contact and there is a foul called. Yeah. To me, those are the ones that I got to call out the same. If I'm going to call that in the first half, and I think, hey, he gained an advantage, I got to call it. Whether I think, ooh, that's going to affect the game, it was borderline, you know, like this could, this is going to swing the game one way or the other, whatever. Those are the ones you have to call. What you talked about, like, oh, you got to swallow your whistle on that because 90 feet away from the basket, to me... That doesn't have anything to do with the last two minutes of the game. You just gotta swallow your whistle on that because it's ninety feet away and there's no advantage gained. If if the ball changes hands, if possession of the basketball goes from one team to the other and it's ninety feet away from the basket, okay, I gotta call that. Or sometimes you make a call and it's official when you feel like you're losing control of the game and it's getting that physical, like I gotta, you know, I gotta I gotta make that call ninety feet away from the basket because I need you guys to calm down a little bit or whatever but right. in that situation i think you're right and it doesn't really even have anything to do with the last two minutes of the game like most of the time you don't want you just don't want to call that 90 feet away from the basket regardless because it didn't have any it didn't have any effects there's no advantage gained. like you sure. said, that's the key word is there an advantage gained in that case no i mean that you know he didn't actually take the ball from him or whatever they still had possession Eh. play on
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I I think I'm a little more aggressive (laughs) in it in saying, like, I'm okay with refs not calling things that they would call earlier in the game when guys drive to the bucket. Because, I mean, specifically in this, right before that play, you had TJ Shannon take something to the rim, and there's contact. I have no problem. Like, honestly, I think it's probably a foul in... The first half, but I have no problem with the ref not calling that. Cause I want
0: to see, I think TJ Shannon, you got to finish it. You got to win it. But I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there on that because Hey, maybe, you know, if in your opinion, you think that's a foul. Well, he didn't finish it, but like, Hey, he earned free throws like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just I, don't,
1: I don't like seeing you win it on free throws. I want to see you make a play and won it. I want to see you do, do whatever you have to do. So I'm okay with that. I so I do think it needs to be called differently. And I like it when it is called differently and letting the players decide. Just like on the playground, man. You don't get to you don't get to end the game by saying, Oh, someone fouled me.
0: No. You gotta score. Just yeah. like on the playground, bro. And to me, it's part of the game. And earning free throws and getting the free throw line is part of the game. Um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes fouling a guy is part of the game. Hey, like, you have me. Uh, in a you know a mismatch in a bad position whatever under the basket, well I'm at, I'm gonna foul you I'm gonna make you earn it the free throw like I'm not gonna let you get a layup to win the game so go earn it to, it's with some pressure free throws, I don't know so to me that's all it's part of the game and it's it's really difficult for me to say then you just open up a a whole other box of problems if you really in your mind start calling the game differently, at the end than you do at the beginning you just can't do that you have to try to call it the same, I think just our human nature makes that different and not wanting to be part of the story as an official, but we're well, talking about, call it
1: the same a story. Let's talk about the big story in the big 12 yeah. this week.
0: Well, and I kind of, I mentioned this earlier in the intro, you know, we record on Monday night and then the podcast is available first thing, Tuesday morning, Tuesday nights, Kansas and Kansas state decide to have a little brawl. So it's kind of old news at this point. But we haven't been able to talk about it, and I think you know the one thing that I'm still kind of holding on to from that story. I'm just I'm surprised that the punishments weren't greater <laughs> in this situation. I just I expected a lot more, especially based on everybody's reaction uh, from you know from seeing the video and all that, like hearing all the sports personalities and sports talks people talking about. It, I'm like, oh. This is not going to be good for Kansas or for these players. Well, yeah, a guy picked up a chair and tried to hit someone with it. I mean, I can't
1: believe D'Souza isn't suspended for the year. 12 games is an absolute joke. It's a joke. He picked up a chair and tried to hit someone with it. And the only reason he didn't, okay, so let's be clear, he didn't have like second thoughts and was like, oh, you know what, this is a bad idea, this is a bad look. I shouldn't do this. Yeah, I'm gonna put no, this down. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He didn't do that. Someone ripped it out of his hands, so he couldn't do it. They were like, bro, what are you doing? This is not the WWE. We don't hit people with chairs. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? and here's the other thing. What does he need a chair for? The dude's seven foot two sixty. Who is he scared of there? Okay, is he scared of the six foot one, hundred and eighty pound like know. guard? Like, I don't understand. Why do you need a chair? Get out of here! This to me, it wasn't quite the same caliber of fight as the Malice in the Palace, you know, several years ago for Pacers and the Pistons and two thousand four. Yeah. because that one was not just players, but it was fans. Yeah, and it ran, was. I just, mean, he ran up after was, a fan. Yeah, that Ron was, Artest went yeah. up at him, and there was a. Of course, before that, he got hit by a beverage, and I mean, it's just all sorts of craziness that went on. So it wasn't quite that level, but it was bad. It was a very, very bad look for both both programs and the Big Twelve and college basketball. Well, in
0: there were some good punches thrown. I don't, I don't think yeah. I saw. I didn't, I didn't. I mean, obviously, I didn't uh, analyze the video as extensively as. Some people did probably, and as as much as the Big Twelve officials probably had to look at it and try to decide what they were going to do. I'm not sure the Big Twelve sp-
1: conference actually looked at it though. They probably just said, "Oh, Kansas, you want 12 games? Oh, okay, <laughs> that sounds good to us." <laughs> no, and that's pretty much how they handle everything else.
0: Punches thrown, and just I don't think too many of them landed. But like you said, that picking up the chair, it's you know, I think that's excusable if it's like. <laughs> you know you're fearing for your life like <laughs> right. i'm you know i fe- i honestly am i'm fearing for my life i'm gonna pick up whatever is around me and try to defend myself whatever this is clearly not one of those situations <laughs> no this is not no the arena uh for that and my uh, honestly my first thought is like shouldn't D'Souza souza be trying to fly under the radar a little bit here like that for sure some of my surprises like this was already his second chance like the fact that he is playing basketball for Kansas this year is shocking to me. I mean, we ev- kind me of everybody has kind of forgotten about that. It's like he's lucky to be there. Bill <laughs> Self is lucky to still be coaching for the Kansas Jayhawks, and then and then you go do something like this. And obviously, you know, Bill Self wasn't out there throwing punches, but like this is clearly a reflection on him and his, of his team. program. It's like it's not a good look for Bill Self. It's not a good look for D'Souza. Like, dude, this. This is you've already got you're you're already on your second chance. You need to be on your best behavior, and you don't need to be uh, starting this kind of stuff. So, I I honestly, you know, we talk about just expecting more because Kansas came out immediately after, and of course, uh, he said all the right things. Bill Self did, and Bruce Weber after the game. You know, this, there's no place for this. It's inexcusable. Right. Blah, blah blah. They said all the right stuff, and then. Uh, Kansas comes out and says, Well, he's suspended indefinitely. And then, based on the reaction from everybody else and how, you know, this is horrible and I can't believe this and this is awful, I just thought I'm, he's done for the year. And so, for sure, that's what yeah, I thought too. F- for them to come back, nah, 12 games, I'm like, joke. Really? So, and I don't know if I gave the Big 12, I don't know if I would go as far as the, you know, conspiracy theory of them just doing whatever Kansas wanted to do or, Whatever, but still doesn't seem
1: it seems like that's how the NCAA and Kansas handle it. Does it not? It's like Well Kansas, Kansas let me uh we're we're just gonna suspend over twelve games. What do you guys think about that? Is that okay with you? Yeah, sounds about right to me, guys. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just I, I can't. I can't with it. But
0: anyways, I let's so that's that's enough about that. Like I said, it's kind of old news, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it, so we feel like we needed to. Um let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Yeah, because I'm excited. Well, me too. This is the most excited I've been about a Super
1: Bowl since 1996. And I was like nine years old then because that was the last time the Dallas Cowboys were in a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. So I am excited for one because I am actually interested and I'll have a rooting interest in this game. Pat is just a once in a generation talent. He is someone that is special. It's something you saw when he was here at Tech. He does things the right way. And plus, hey, he's Mr. Texas Tech. So I'm all in for the Chiefs
0: and Mr. Mahomes. I'm all about it, yeah, dude. I, I get pretty geeked up for the Super Bowl every year. So I always have. And, I mean, since I was a little kid through through the college years, like I know my college roommates probably remember. And because this was before um uh, uh, you could just watch everything on YouTube. And this is before, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, I had DVDs. Like we had DVDs. That's my point. I had like, the I have the first forty Super Bowls on DVD, and the only reason <laughs> I don't have forty-one through fifty is because I can't find the set yet. But I have looked. Like after Super Bowl fifty, I'm like, cool. The Bro, next ten
1: are out. You need to update those to digital copies because they aren't making DVDs anymore. Yeah,
0: no, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. But there's got to be Blu-rays out there or something. Anyways, uh, but it's like the two weeks between conference championships and the Super Bowl. Like that's when I'm I'm just. Binging out on NFL films. And <laughs> so always have, ever since I was a little kid, and still the same today. If I could get away with watching more NFL films now, you know, as a married man with two toddlers at home, I probably would, but ended up watching, <laughs> um, you know, more animated movies, more Disney Plus, more Disney Plus, yeah, and Paw Patrol than anything. But, anyways, uh, I love it. And I can't wait really until. You walk into a stadium or an arena, sports bar, whatever it is. Now that gambling is becoming uh, legalized across the country, I feel like there's gonna there's a day not too far in the future where you walk in to your sports arena and you check out uh, an iPad or some kind of tablet, and you make in-game wagers, in-game bets. You know, because your debit card's already tied to the. Deal, and me, and my boss were talking about this today, so it's like really fresh in my mind. But it's like, yeah, you walk in, and you're, you're watching the game at the arena, at the stadium, you're making bets. Why do on you this need thing. an iPad? You have it's a right computer, you. You or it's on your phone, phone. whatever. Yeah. But uh and boom, like, and then I check out. I go turn my device in. I think you need to explain to some I,
1: of our viewers that are listeners. Turn my ticket in, get my money, and like, boom, this is legit. What is a prop bet? I think you need to
0: explain what is. Oh yeah, a prop, prop bet. bets prop bet because this, that's really like now as an adult when I don't have a vested interest in who wins the Super Bowl I don't really care either way it's all it's prop bet city like that's right and the prop bets are uh, and they have hundreds and hundreds of them what are but they like is um, <laughs> the national anthem over under a minute 58 seconds yes and this awesome. year and the, I don't know maybe I miss it in recent years this year I looked I saw three different bets that you can make on the length of the national anthem and they all had different odds and different payouts but there was 155 like over under 155 you can make a bet on that 158 and then two minutes straight up you could choose any of those and obviously um the over for uh, two minutes paid more than over for 155 i mean like they had something but you i mean we're talking everything not just the length of the national anthem but um it, what is she wearing? Like, is she wearing, I'm serious. Like I'm gonna this today. Like skirt, dress, uh, gown or pants. Like that was, you know, it was, it was like, you yeah, had like a 50, 50 chance there. Will she be holding the microphone? What color will the microphone be? Um, everything like will after the kickoff, like which head coaches mentioned first, Shanahan or Reed? um, it's all the most random how, and things. Like, how many, uh, tweets or instagram posts or whatever will uh, patrick mahomes girlfriend have during the game how many tiktok videos will his little brother post during the game and like, i mean and you i mean they go on and on and on so the this reason is what i'm talking that, about the reason that and, they're
1: great is because it's not just for sports fans yeah. it's for well, anybody because anybody can bet there's on those. so many of them related right. to the
0: halftime show yeah and and then there's also but then there's ones related to the game, like. Uh, and my prop bet, if I'm giving you a prop bet, like go bet on this. Jimmy Garoppolo, like the over under for pass attempts in this game, is 16 and a half. I'm taking the over on that all day. I think that's a lock. There's no way. I mean, I'm thinking at least he's going to throw the ball at least 20 times. Stone cold lock of the century. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, so you can make bets that are actually related to football, like passing attempts, passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, who scores the first touchdown, all that stuff. But, yeah, if you want to get into the national anthem and what color Gatorade gets dumped on the winning coach and if does it at all, whatever, I love it. Prop Bet City, to me, the best Super Bowl party uh, that you can have is when everybody at the place has a stack of ones and then you're just making bets all night. It doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, you're not talking about – Gambling a lot of money, or losing a bunch of money, or even winning a bunch of money for that matter—it's just like poker night with your friends. Like it can be maybe as high stakes as you want it to be, but hey, I bet you—I got a feeling they're going to turn it over on this possession. Like, you give me four to one odds on that. Like, or like, I bet you two bucks he's going to miss this field goal. Like, how much you want to bet? There's a GoDaddy commercial in this next commercial break. I mean, whatever. I mean, all that stuff. And so whatever, I'm not I'm not vested in this game either way. I just want it to be a good game, and I think it will be a great game. I think this is actually setting up to be a good football game. But more than anything, I just kind of root for my picks and I'm looking to have fun. So it'll be fun. Every Super Bowl Sunday is a lot of fun.
1: So you talk about prop bets, but I want to talk about the other thing that's outside the Super Bowl that everybody always talks about. You know, the day after you talk about Super Bowl commercials. Can I just be honest with you? I think Super Bowl commercials are way overrated. Yeah, Like way no, overrated. That. There's nothing of real value that comes on. Anything that is going to be talked about is going to be on YouTube for weeks and weeks. So you don't need to stay around and watch the commercials. Just go ahead and go get a beverage or go get chips and dip or whatever, chips and queso. Yep. There's no reason to, to stick around. A few years ago, I had some friends when I lived in Los Angeles. They got on a Super Bowl commercial. No, that was cool. But, I mean, just, there really is, the quality is just not there. Yeah, they're so not I'm as out. fun as they used I'm to be. On it.
0: Maybe I'm just old, too. But like you said, uh, social media has changed everything. Honestly, I don't think those spots are near worth the money like they, they used to be. Because it was. When you were watching the Super Bowl with somebody before DVR, and like, hey, we won that. Like, I want to see that. Like, everybody yep. be quiet. And all that. It was like... It was nonstop action because there were some people there that were really about the game, but I better not be talking to you about the game during the commercials because these people over here are like, Shh, shut up. You know, like...
1: Yeah, exactly. We I
0: want to hear this commercial. You know, it was like, it was nonstop. I've been
1: waiting all year for this commercial. Couldn't go
0: to the bathroom. Couldn't be talking during the commercials. I mean, it was like, you, had, you couldn't miss anything. And then, you know, halftime show for that matter too. Like now, yeah. you can watch the halftime show later. You just... It'll be on YouTube in a matter of minutes. I don't and, even know who's the halftime and show. And if year. you make a great commercial or you have this great moment or whatever, like just it's going to be. It'll on go YouTube. viral. It'll go yeah. viral on social media, anyways. There's no need to pay exactly. four or five million dollars to get your 30 second slot in the Super Bowl. Um, anyway, so yeah, not what it used to be. Agreed. It's kind of a uh, just a nostalgic piece of Super Bowl past, all the Super Bowl commercial days where we were all on the edge of our seat even during the commercial breaks.
1: I say let's just let it die. No more commercials. But I think
0: that's part of me just getting old, too. Or I feel like it. I don't know. I feel like more and more I'm just
1: Yeah, I mean, you didn't even know my J. Cole reference. So, well, hey, that's all we have
0: for this episode. Be sure to
1: subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Hey, for all of you here in Lubbock, we will be at, or I guess I will be out at uh, Tap House yeah, 16 this one. at United Supermarkets on 4th and Milwaukee for Campus Lives Watch Party this Saturday at 2.30. Uh, we'll be getting everybody ready for the Red Raiders taking on the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence, Kansas. So we'd love for you to join us. Again, that's at Tap House 16 in United Supermarkets on 4th and Milwaukee. It's going to be an incredible place to get ready for the game, to watch the game. They have all the TVs in the place. I mean, it's going to be great. And they have uh, great. actually pretty good. Yeah, great and their food drink And drink are specials. Ridiculous. Like
0: really cheap. That's right. If so, you're a college kid, there's no reason uh, why you shouldn't be there for yes. sure.
1: So make sure you come out and join us. That's all we have for today. I'm Tyler Dippery. And I'm Nathan Riojas. Y'all have a good one. See ya.